0: A'udhu billahi minash shaitaanir rajeem Rahman rahmanir raheem alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin was salatu was salamu ala Rasuli sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa azwajihi wa dhurriyatihi wa ahli baitihi wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin All praises to Allah and may his peace and blessings be upon his servant and messenger Sayyidina muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Islam is a very wide circle If a person commits sin, or even if they have, to a certain degree, incorrectness in their belief, the person is not cast outside of the pale of Islam. Rather, iman or faith has a creedal definition, which is that you have to believe the right things inside of your heart, and it has a spiritual definition. Meaning that it is a condition inside of the heart that is described in the world of the unseen, in the world of intangible things, in the world of meaning. Rasulullah ﷺ described the, the, the kafia and the condition of iman in the spiritual world in a hadith in which he mentions that every son of Adam is born with a black spot on their heart every time they commit a sin or some disobedience of Allah Taala, that black spot will grow and every time a person makes tawbah and repents to Allah Taala, it will get smaller This is a disease that affects the heart, but not the physical heart. It affects the spiritual heart, which is the seed of intention and the seed of conviction inside of every human being. That is what is referred to in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that there's a morsel of flesh inside of the heart. If it is rectified, the entire body is rectified. And if it is fasted, if it's spoiled, then the entire body is spoiled. Nay, verily, indeed, it is the heart. And the mention of the morsel of flesh isn't what the heart is, but it's what the locus of the heart is because the spiritual heart is located in the same place as the physical heart. So this is the the the, the life of the heart. This is the spiritual definition of what iman is, what faith is. So it's possible that somebody's heart is 99% dead and blackened. But if there's even... One percent, or a fraction of one percent, if there's even a, a minute, minuscule, infinitesimal amount of iman in that heart, that iman, that heart will be eligible for salvation on the day of judgment. However, when we as Muslims practice our deen, our goal is not to. Be one of those bare minimum people who slide by. Rather, Rasulullah commanded the people of this ummah. He said that Al-Firdaus is the, the center of Jannah in the highest, the apex of Jannah. Just like, mashallah, Chicago people know that the Sears Tower, I don't even remember what they call it now, but they call it something else. The Sears Tower, it's like the, the, the center of downtown and it's the highest part of downtown. This is it. That, that, that al-firdaus is the center of Jannah, of paradise, and it's the highest part of paradise. So if you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something, ask Him for al-firdaus. Meaning what? You shouldn't shoot for the bare minimum, you should shoot for the best. This iman, even though it lives in the hearts of a great number of people, even though it lives in the hearts of a great number of people and we're strictly prohibited and forbidden by Allah ta'ala and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa of accusing a person of not having iman, of accusing a person of kufr, of disbelief, until and unless it has become rationally impossible for that person to have faith. Meaning someone says, I believe in a Nabi after the Prophet sallallahu alaihi Somebody says that I believe in two gods or three or more. Somebody says that I believe that, you know, all of the Qur'an is correct except for this part of it. At that point, it's rationally impossible for that person to be a Muslim. You can have a suspicion, for example, that a person prays and fasts, but they're doing it insincerely. But it's possible that you're wrong. The benefit of the doubt is given to all people with regards to faith. This is the way of the Ahlus sunnah wal-Jama'ah. It is haram to, what? accuse another person of kufr. This doesn't mean that every person who has faith is a person that should be looked up to or emulated in regards to matters of deen. And so, if you read the aqidah of the Ahlus Sunnah wal-Jama'ah, they have a, a, a kind of like a, a chart. If you conceive of it with me, like a circle, the widest circle is what they call the Ahlul qibla Ahlul qibla for our, uh, mashallah, young and budding students of knowledge who are learning Arabic literally means the people of the Qibla. But it has nothing to do with. I mean, it has it's, it has nothing to do with the Qibla, uh, in, in, at least in its entirety. It's a technical term. It's a technical term that's used to describe all of those people who meet a very bare minimum definition of Islam, even if they face the wrong tibla. The Ahlul tibla are what? Those people you know, that, that are good, those people that are bad in their Islam, those people that are ugly, but they meet some sort of mer- bare minimum definition of iman, even if they don't pray, even if they don't fast, even if they're uh, you know, uh, not people who ever bother to learn Arabic or tajweed or any of these things. There's a lot of people inside of that definition and That's the periphery of the circle In the center of the circle is the target Those people who are on their deen Those people who are practicing their deen Those people conceive of the deen properly And so that group of people in the center And then there's, it gets tighter and tighter in the middle But that group of people in the center That's what we refer to as the Ahl sunnah wal-Jama'ah Ahl sunnah wal-Jama'ah The Sunnah people know what it means What does the Sunnah mean? The sunnah means the practice of Rasulullah wasallam. People don't understand what the word jama'ah means. Jama'ah doesn't mean, because it means literally in the Arabic language, it means like a congregation or a gathering of people. Many people assume that jama'ah means some sort of democratic majority. That we follow the sunnah and we follow the majority of Muslims. And it so happens that throughout the history of Islam, the majority of people who claimed Islam always belong to the Ahl sunnah wal-jama'ah, at least in their conception of deen. But the word jama'ah doesn't mean the majority of people. The word jama'a also, just like Ahlul Qibla, has a very specific technical meaning. The word jama'ah also has a very specific technical meaning. It means who? The Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum. And those people in every generation who follow their way. So if you read the history of Islam, which unfortunately very few people read the history of Islam. If you read the history of Islam, you'll see the first heresy within Islam. The first misguidance in matters of creed. Uh, Within the ummah, was that of the Khawarij. And it actually happened during the lifetime of the younger generation of the Sahaba. They were a group of fanatical, homicidal maniacs. When we say fanatical, we don't mean that their faith was very strong. That's what fanaticism means to the kuffar. Anyone who believes their faith really strong, this is so and so is a fanatic, is a fundamentalist, is an extremist. If the faith is in Allah Ta'ala and it's what makes you eligible for salvation and what makes Allah Ta'ala love you, then there's nothing wrong with having faith there's nothing wrong with iman the more iman a person has the better they are they're fanatical why because they twisted those beliefs that were handed down by allah and his rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam the companions of the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi and they made their own interpretations like a person who commits a sin becomes a non-muslim and that person, once they become a non-Muslim, they're an apostate. And once they're an apostate, you kill them. And then you take their uh, their property and then you enslave their family and do all sorts of other heinous and horrendous things. And if you think that this is something irrelevant to you, there are people who think like this even to this day. And they actually do these things even to this day. And there's scourge and the blight on the ummah, whoever opposes them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward them. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prophesied the coming of the, the, the khawarij. Uh, to his Sahaba, عنهم, to Sayyidina Umar and Sayyidina Ali. تعالى, he said that these people will come and he described them, that they'll look really pious uh, uh, and they'll look very fierce and they'll be hard people to fight in battle. And he said that wherever you find them, you should oppose them because they are the worst of Allah's creation underneath the cover of the heavens. At any rate, those Khawarij, that fitna actually was a strong political force in the Ummah. In the early times of Islam, probably for about a century almost, until the uh, rough-riding, tough general of Banu umayyah uh, 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 Al-Muhallab ibn Abi Sufra, uh, essentially decimated them in battle one time after the other. Banu Umayyah did a lot of service for Islam, even though their tariq wasn't perfect. But a person who has insaf will accept the good and will uh, uh, reject the bad. At any rate, Al Muhallab ibn Abi Sufra, he basically decimated them as a political force. But those people were still around while the Sahaba were there, which is the point I wanted to make. They were still around while the Sahaba were there. They used to meet with the Sahaba عنهم, in the Haram Sharif. Those people who rode in with the army of the Prophet وسلم, in the Fath of Mecca and by their own hands cleansed the Kaaba and the Masjid al Haram from idols and brought it back into the, the, the condition it was during the life of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salatu They would argue with them that you don't understand the Qur'an, you don't understand the deen. This is what this ayah really means. This is what Rasulullah sallallahu really meant by this ayah. What did they do? They co-opted the interpretation of the Qur'an. From who? From the Sahaba radhiallahu anhu. And tell the yawmul qiyamah anyone who does so, that person it's a sign of their misguidance. If you tell them that this is the maslak and this is the, the way of the companions of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and they say, who are the companions of the Messenger of Allah? Why should we care about the companions of the Messenger of Allah? This is the madar and This is the standard by which we measure if a person is on guidance or misguidance. What does the Ahl-Sunnah jam'a jamaah mean? They didn't say Ahl-Sunnah was Sahaba because the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they passed away. They're gone. They no longer are alive in this world uh, in, the, in the conventional sense. We don't say Ahl-Sunnah was Sahaba عنهم, because if that was what we are, then that's done. That doesn't exist anymore. We say "jama'a." why? Because the Sahaba were the first of that Jama'ah, of that congregation. And then from the Tabi'een, from the generation after them, those people who accepted their way as authoritative, learned it from them and then transmitted them, they're part of that Jama'ah. And then in the next generation, those people who took that message from those Tabi'een, Right? They're the ones who are the jama'ah. In every successive generation, there are a group of people who belong to that jama'ah. Now, because the majority of the Muslims for the entire history of Islam subscribe to this methodology and subscribe to this ideology, generally speaking, whoever is in the Muslim world whether that person knows how to pray or not, whether that person know, you know, knows anything about fasting, anything about aqidah, whether that person is a pious person or an impious person, a righteous person or a not righteous person, we say that so and so is what? A Sunni. When we say Sunni, what do we mean? We mean that that person is a, 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 an adherent to the creed of the Ahlul Sunnah al Jama'ah. But the fact of the matter is that this is, you know, you're not Sunni because the country you're from. You're not. You're not part of the Ash'rin al Jama'ah because of the, uh, the, the the family you're from, or the race that you're born into, or the part of the world that you're born in, or the citizenship that you have. The deen is not like that. Hinduism has a caste system. The ancient religion of the Israelites, it had a caste system. Certain people were from the priestly caste; certain people weren't. We don't in Islam. We don't have a caste system. This is not based on nationality, it's based on what? The person is a Muslim who says La ilaha illallah on the tongue and they believe the belief in it in their heart. And this al Sunnah al-Jama'a, someone says, well, why are you dividing everybody by saying Sunni and this and that and this is Khawarij, blah blah blah. Why can't we just all say we're Muslims? The reason is we are all Muslims. However, the preservation of guidance in this ummah, which was the task that the Messenger of Allah informed us, would be Upheld and discharged by the ulama, in specific, and by the ummah in general, that is a duty that we cannot shirk. And there are certain people in the ummah that have shirked this duty. They have turned their back on this duty, they've ignored it, some people have even opposed it. And the deen that was taught to us by Rasulullah ﷺ tells us what? Because it's a deen of samaha, of what? Of, of, of forbearance with people. <inaudible> I was sent with the most forbearant, with the most forbearant way, and the most forbearant uh, uh, way of following the truth. And you know, sometimes religious people become fanatical and they become real angry and they get upset about it. Rasulullah says that's not what I was sent with. What I was sent with is what? That forbearant way of following the truth. Because of that, a person can still be a Muslim, but the person is not a person of guidance. They can be spreading all sorts of weird ideas that are diametrically opposed to what Rasulullah said. And they can be doing weird things that are opposed to what Rasulullah was sent with. They can be harming the other Muslims. Still, the Messenger of Allah forbade us from saying, you're not a Muslim. Forbade us from saying, you're a kafir. Forbade us from saying, you're a munafiq, you're a hypocrite. Forbade us from kicking people out of the pale of the deen. That it's that person, that same person, who is the most dis- disgusting person you can think of, Transacts in riba, you know, sells alcohol, sells drugs, kills people, harms people, has a foul tongue, whatever. If that person were to walk into the masjid, forget about pray the the salat in the congregation. If that person were to walk into the masjid and lead the salat, there's no mufti that would say that the salat was invalid. Why? This is from the samaha of the deen. Because things that happen in the dunya, none of them have any, any sort of comparison with the spiritual reality of faith that's inside of the heart. This is our belief as the Ahlul Sunnah Al-Jama'ah as well. That no matter what your opinion about a person is, Yawm al there's a hadith Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam narrates that a person will come with so many sins that they fill 99 scrolls when unfurled, go as far as the eye can see. And there are some people who have a, a bent toward literalism in this ummah. So if you want to be literal about that, although literalism is not a, a robust interpretive methodology, it doesn't really work, uh, and the Ummah, uh, you know, it came up at some point in its history, and the Ummah abandoned it quite quickly. But if you have bent toward literalism, then know that your eyes can see like the sun, they can see different galaxies. It's a lot of sins. <clears throat> 99 scrolls when unfurled will be filled with sins, as far as the eye can see when unfurled. And the angel will bring a small card, bithakha. Literally, the word is bitaka It's the word in the modern language for like a business card or for like a driver's license or something, right? That they'll put. It will have written on it la ilaha illallah, and it will be put in the other scale pan, and it will outweigh them. Which means what? You may not like that person, but Allah loves them. So that's your problem. You may not like that person. You may look at the ummah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, say, "Who are these people? They don't speak English properly. They don't have good degrees." They smell weird. Their streets are messy and they're filled with garbage. They're horrible people. They, uh, their marketplaces are chaotic and unruly. They don't know how to stand in line. People say silly things like that, don't they? They say, oh look, we have Muslims in America. But we have Muslims in the Muslim country. But the Islam is in the, in the uh, Western European countries. Why? Because they know how to stand in line. Did Allah Ta'ala send His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to teach people how to stand in line? There are people who will be standing in line in this world with great order. They're also going to be standing in the line to go, go to Jahannam. Did you know that? Otherwise, if standing in line in orderliness was a virtue, then there would be the... كُنْتُمْ خَيْرَ ukhrijat al nas would have come down about the Nazi party. Because they're very orderly people. You see how they march and salute, and it's completely a, a spectacle, it's a big show. Brothers and sisters, the Samaha of the Deen means that the circle of people that is considered to have a valid iman is very wide. It's even wider than people think. And we are not allowed to transgress or throw somebody out of that circle, run, run a follow of Allah Ta'ala who brought those people into it. However, that doesn't mean that all of those people are on guidance and you want to follow the way of all of those people and you want to take your deen from all of those people. This system is not a system of sectarianism. This system is a system that shows that Allah Ta'ala's mercy it outstrips the rules that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala laid down for his creation. The commandment of the Prophet is not to try to be one of the people on the outskirts of that system. The commandment of Rasulullah is what? Is that you should try to be in the dead center. You should hit the target uh, in, the, in the dead center. You should hit the bullseye. That Allah Ta'ala will show you in front of all of His creation on the Day of Judgment as somebody He's proud of, somebody He's pleased with, somebody who's the first to enter into Jannah, somebody who did what they were supposed to do and even better in this world. What is the goal of Islam? The goal of Islam is not to establish a caliphate so that there's a policeman who will write people tickets for not going to Salat asr The goal of Islam is not to what? Build wonderful buildings. The goal of Islam is not to what? Make wonderful clothing. The goal of Islam is not to make you someone that everybody loves and wants to be your friend. If that was the goal, even Rasulullah failed in it. Even though he was the nicest person that was ever created, the nicest of Allah's creation, the most beautiful and the most lovable of Allah's creation, people still opposed him because of La ilaha illallah. His Sahaba radhiyallahu anhum after him they weren't opposed by the mushrikeen. the ones who lived long enough. They were actually opposed by the Ummah itself. Sayyid al-Hussein radiyallahu ta'ala anhu the grandson of the Prophet وسلم, was he assassinated by a kafir? Sayyidina Uthman radiyallahu ta'ala anhu was he assassinated by a kafir? Sayyidina Ali radiyallahu anhu was he assassinated by a kafir? Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu ta'ala was he assassinated by a non-Muslim? Absolutely not. It's not about something in this dunya. It's about what? It's about making it on the other side. It's about when the angels open the gates of Jannah. That Saint Abu Bakr Siddiq, the eight gates of Jannah are opened. And he's called from each and every one of them. That Allah Ta'ala, out of his ikran for him, out of his honor for him, says, enter from every, any one of the gates that you wish. This is your choice on this day. In the dunya, you did everything, not from your choice, but from my choice. On this day, you entered the gate of Jannah that you choose for yourself. That process is preserved by a set of people. Those people are the ulama, abdi, ahl-sunnah, al-jama'ah. This is not a sectarian pronouncement. This is also part of the deen. This understanding that the two groups are are overlapping, but they're separate. They're overlapping, but they're separate in their definition. This is also part of the deen. And Rasulullah told us that the best of this ummah uh, is, is, is my generation. Then after that, the one who comes after them, then the ones who after that who come after them. And he said, sallallahu alaihi Wasallam, that there are people who will be given victory by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because amongst them is a Nabi. And there are people who will be given victory by Allah ta'ala because amongst them is somebody who met a Nabi. And there are people who will be given victory by Allah ta'ala because amongst them is someone who met someone who met a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This group is still here with us. The reason the hadith ends is because what? A person who has intelligence in their mind will know that this, this chain keeps continuing. However, look at us nowadays. We have no idea where did this deen come from. We think that the Qur'an started in like a a, a print shop in Medina Munawwara or in Damascus or in Cairo. We don't know the person who... You know, the masahif are written by hand, you know that. They're not written by like... You know, it's not like someone typed up and says, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, space spacebar, enter, uh, Rahman, right? You know, these things, they're written by hand. There's an entire sanad with just the writing of, 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 of the mushaf. There's an entire sanad for the, the ayat, the numbering of the ayat. There are different qiraat of the book of Allah. This is just the mushaf itself. The entire deen is transmitted by sanad. Almost none of us know where it came from. Almost none of us know where it came from. Now, we live in, we live in the United States. You know, the, the, the Constitution was a revolutionary document in the history of mankind. It provided Western Europe, which at that point had become the most efficient civilization in the history of mankind at killing people. It provided them with some sort of restraint and reasonability so that they don't cancerously just consume their own, their own nations as well. To run, run groups... Of people that have different ideas that will bring them to blows and fighting with one another, so that they can function as a cohesive group without cancerously killing, destroying one another. This is actually a, a large achievement in the history of mankind. That constitution, however, wasn't perfect. You know, in the original constitution, uh, people of, uh, of, of African origin—they're considered to be what? They're considered to be three fifths of a human being. Is an African-American three-fifths of a human being? Allah, this is a, 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 an abomination unto the Lord, which is worse than many of the things we consider to be sins, to say that or believe that. What did they do to those people in order to keep them enslaved? Is that they convinced them that you're not really a human being. They did a number of things. Chain them, shackle them, beat them. One of the things they did is they made it illegal to teach them how to read Now, if they're already intellectually inferior, which is what the claim was, one of the justifications for enslaving one race, and enslaving another, which, by the way, never existed in Islam. Islam had slavery, but it never had this thing that we have over here in this country where one race is considered inferior to another. It was a completely qualitatively different institution. All they do is share the name, just like the federal government and Federal Express are two different things. Right? However, what did they do? They said they're morally, uh, sorry, intellectually inferior and then they say, what? It's illegal to teach them how to read. Well, if they're inferior, you don't have to pass a law about it, do you? You don't have to punish people for doing something that's not possible in the first place. It's all a lie. What is one of the things that they did to them? They changed the names of the slaves. And when a slave was born, they would, they, as a child, they would separate the, the baby from the mother, the husband from the, the mother and father, husband and wife. They'd separate the families from one another. So that child grew up as a stranger. So that child, there are African-Americans in this country. You can see them and you can see this this person bears a resemblance with the Mandinka tribe in West Africa. Or this person bears a resemblance with the Hausa tribe. This person bears a resemblance with the Bambara tribe. They have no idea which tribe they came from, nor do they even know what the names of their forefathers were. What was their excuse? Their excuse, they were shackled. They were abducted at gunpoint, and shackled to ships. And brought in the hull of packed ships to America and then separated. Generation after generation were separated from each other. You don't even know what the, the, the name of the person who brought the Quran to you or who brought the fiqh to you that you pray every day five times a day with. You don't even know what the, uh, the name of the person who uh, brought the aqidah and its sanad. You have no idea of the names of any of these people. They have their excuse. What's your excuse? It is perhaps because we're disconnected with that chain that we also now behave like slaves. This is something that we have no excuse for because all of those names are preserved. We know exactly who all of those people are. However, we think that everything came without any sort of context and that I'm going to go and wiki something. You have no idea which Adiani or which uh, uh, Orientalist wrote the article in the Wikipedia, but you're going to send it to everybody. And then afterward, you're going to wonder why is it that we have this mentality, this mindset that makes us like slaves. Brothers and sisters, there's no reason for this. There's no reason for this. There are a group of people who are in power uh, culturally, both in this country and back home politically, economically, that don't like the teachings of the Ahl-Sunnah, al-Jama'ah. They're placed in the places that they are through uh, very intentional means by people who don't follow this deen or people who don't love this deen. We like to blame Western countries and Western powers. Really, it's not their fault. It hasn't been their fault for quite some time, if ever. There are people from amongst us that have this mindset. And what do we do as the rank-and-file pious people who pay their zakat and fast every Ramadan and come to the masjid on Friday? We follow without thinking and we follow without questioning. This is also our duty. Part of the preservation of the deen is what? Just like you go to hajj, just like you fast in Ramadan, part of the preservation of the deen is what? Is that we should learn what those names are. We should learn who those people are. We should learn what their path is. And there's no age in which this is more sorely needed than the age that we're in right now, where every, everyone uh, uh, says whatever they want to. In, uh, Abdullah bin Mubarak, he's a Muhaddith hadith come in the six books of, of hadith. You know, the Muhaddithin were very cutthroat in who they narrated from. You know, Imam Bukhari, one of his mashayikh is Ahmed bin Hanbal. He doesn't narrate one hadith from him in Sahih Bukhari. Why? Because all the hadith that Imam Ahmad had, which is like over 100,000, Bukhari found from somebody else who has a higher chain of narration. So the fact that someone is narrated from in the books of a hadith means that there's nowhere else to go but that person. For them to be in all six books, there's very few individuals that are, that are, that are of that caliber. He said something very beautiful. He said, He said, that this chain of narration, knowing where your information came with an unbroken chain back to mes- the Messenger of Allah sallallahu min deen wal al-isnadu. Laqala man sha'a That if it wasn't for this chain of narration, whoever would have wanted to say anything about the deen would have said whatever they wanted to say about the deen. So if somebody, Abdul bin Mubarak continues, this, if somebody says to you or asks you the question, this piece of information, where did you get it from? Don't be upset. Be happy because it's a sign that this isnad is still alive in the ummah of the Prophet sallallahu we're in an age of fake news. Like literally, there, there's like quantitative studies that show, without any doubt, that fake news spreads faster than real news does. Everybody loves to hear something fantastic. Very few people have a natural inclination toward hearing the truth. Brothers, brothers and sisters, there's no time and age in which the need for this was more than now. Authentic teachings with regards to the deen. Authentic teachings with regards to uh, uh, Islam. Not only in knowing what you know but knowing how you know it so that you can trust in that knowledge Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of us so much tawfiq to be connected with our elders and with our mashaykh that we uh, learn their knowledge and we have love for them in this world and that love saves us on the, on the day of judgment it's not an exaggeration it's a sahih hadith, sahih Bukhari nonetheless that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Al mar'u man a man will be with the one that he loves how are you going to enter into Jannah with those people you don't even know who their names are uh, they're more important than our, our, our parents, our mother and father. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remove us from this state of self-imposed uh, 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 orphanage that we put ourselves into. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give Allah tawfiq wa sallallahu wa ta'ala ala rasulihi sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Amen.